room. Let's give Jesus some praise in this room. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Well, it's good to see you guys this morning. It's good to be in the house of God, uh, worshiping and praising a good God and a good King. Do me a favor. Just look at, at somebody and just say good morning to them. Come on, put on your Mary J. Blige voice and say good morning, gorgeous. Good morning, good morning. Psalm 118 says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, certainly, it is a good day. If you woke up this morning, it's a good day. The sun is shining outside and the sun is still raining. I don't know if you caught the difference between those two. The sun is still shining and the Son of God is still reigning on his throne. And that's why we've gathered in this room. That's why we're here. I just want to be, be, be real clear. I know sometimes you come to church, you're trying to figure out, you know, what we're doing. We, we're here for Jesus because we want to make a lot of noise about him. And we, we want to make much of him because he is worthy of all of our praise. Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. Happy Father's Day. If you're a father in the room, just, just wave your hand. I want to see you. I want to see you. Hold him up. Hold him up. Yo, happy Father's Day, happy Father's Day, happy Father's Day. Any fathers over here? Any fathers? Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you guys. In a culture that seems to accept fatherlessness as a norm, I'm excited to celebrate uh, these men today. Um, fathers play such a pivotal role in the life of our culture and our society and our families and our church fathers play a huge role and I do believe that uh, for some odd reason I do believe that the culture has made it normal to to be in a in a home that lacks uh, the presence of of a father but uh, I'm grateful for these men and, and their active involvement in their homes and then there are some in here that are just spiritual fathers and they have spiritual children and they've nurtured and helped to raise and so I'm um, I'm certainly uh, grateful for each and every one of you. I want to say happy Father's Day to my father. I haven't heard him pray in this setting in a long time. And man, I, I, you know, I don't know what it's like. Uh, my papa wasn't a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat, wasn't day We don't got that testimony. He was a. He was such a such a. Um, an example of a man of God. An example of godliness. It was nothing for me to wake up and go downstairs to the living room and see him literally on his knees praying. It was nothing for me to see him open up his Bible and reading his word. And a lot of the habits in which I watched him do and, and, and just part of the rhythms of his life, um, I have somehow been able to try to mimic and incorporate. And I'm just grateful. So happy Father's Day to my father and all of the fathers out here. Uh, my sons have made me a father. My youngest son is here. So happy Father's Day to me. Thank you. Thank you, son. All right. Well, it's a good it's a good day. It's a good reason for you to be here, of course, because we're celebrating Jesus, of course, because we're celebrating fathers. Speaking of fathers, we have uh, fathers and mothers. We have uh, a baby dedication today, um, which I love to do. But let me you know, we're really excited because we don't just have one. We got two baby dedications. Look at your neighbor. Just say double, 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 double. We got two baby dedications today, so I want to invite up the, the families of uh, baby Micah Doris uh, and baby Ashton Edie. I want to invite up the families. So uh, 
yeah, the parents, do me a favor, y'all come up with the babies. Everybody else that's a family and extended family, friend, if you're here for this couple, do me a favor if you guys can come up as well, but I don't need y'all on the stage. Can y'all stand around the stage for me? Come on now, color coordination. Be careful, there's steps, there's steps. Yep, yeah, stay here, stay here. Y'all stay around. Y'all come on, y'all move quick, y'all move quick. Do me a favor, y'all come on, there we go. There we go, come on around. What's up, man? What's up? What's up, little Ash? Man, you guys are friends, too. Come on, y'all, yeah, y'all. Can we thank God for this family, y'all, this, this unit? Y'all do me a favor, y'all keep moving down. Move on down. Move on down, move on down. Ty, can I get you to come up here with me? Tasha, can you pass me that oil? Family, y'all come on down, y'all move on around. Jess and Zoe, can y'all move down for me? Thank you. Come on, isn't this beautiful, y'all, this tribe that's here for this family? You know, there's two brothers in Scripture, and the Bible calls them the Sons of Thunder. I'm going to give these two the nickname Sons of Thunder. All right, let's, uh, let, let's, let's do this. I, I just want to say, first of all, are, are any godparents here? Godparents. Godparents are here. Godparents. You godparents here? Yeah? Okay. I just, you know, I want to just, just say to the family, everybody that's listening, extended family, friends, um, parents, godparents, I just want to say that this is such a special moment. You know, even our Lord and Savior Jesus, the Bible tells us that he was dedicated on the eighth day that he was given back to the Lord. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you guys real quick before we, before we pray. Psalm 22 verse six says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. First Samuel 1 11 says, forget not your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Jeremiah 1 verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you to be prophets to the nation. And finally, Psalm 8, through the praises of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avengers. I want to simply pray, and family, if I could ask you guys to point your hands this way, um, Ty, can we, you, you good to hold the babies? You good? Yeah. All right. So let me, let me, let me first anoint them. Oh, you should probably hold Micah because he's a little, little smaller. You good? All right. All right. All right. All right. You don't, you're not feeling that. I got you. That's, no, I'm a whole one. All right. Parents, if y'all can do me a favor, lay your hand on your child. Family, if y'all could do me a favor, point your hand this way. An extended family in your seats, if you could point your hand toward the family. Father, I thank you for these children. We acknowledge in this moment that these babies are yours. We, we do thank you for the ability that we have to be able to steward and guide. And these parents be, are, are able to raise this child. But Lord, this child is yours. Baby Ashton is yours. Baby Micah is yours. And so, Lord, do with them whatever you will. And I pray that they would be sensitive to your spirit at an early age. I pray that they would respond to the gospel at an early age. Lord, I pray for these parents. They're going to have tough nights. You don't promise us, promise us that parenting is, is easy or, 
are simple, but Lord, it's, it's pretty clear that, that, that parenting can be difficult. And oftentimes we, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn, but Lord, we know who to turn to. And so Lord, I pray that these parents, you would give them supernatural wisdom. I pray that when they don't know what to do, that they would seek you and that you would give them wisdom and guidance. You said that if we ask you for wisdom, that you would give it to us generously. So Lord, I pray for these parents. I pray for these godparents. I pray for this family. I pray for these friends that they would all, it takes a village. And Lord, may we all be able to step in, oh God, in times of need. Lord, I pray for the, in, in, in the future, I get a little charismatic here, but Lord, I, I, I do pray that all their friends would know you because they know you. So Lord, save them as the old saints would say to the utmost. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would protect them from the filth of this world. Pray, oh God, that you would protect them, oh God, from the perversion of this world. Pray, oh God, that you would protect them from disrespect and dishonor of who they are as black men. Raise them up, oh God, for your glory and for your honor. And Lord, we look forward to the day that these young men are standing at the end of one aisle watching a bride come down. We pray for her. Pray, oh God, that, 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 that she would stir them up to love you more and to serve you more. So Lord, we thank you for these children. And in this moment, we dedicate them and give them back to you because they're yours. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 He was good to the end. Can we do it after service? After service. After service. After service. All right. Love y'all. All right, y'all. Family, thank y'all for coming up. Thank y'all for coming up. Let's give the family some love one more time. One more time. All right, let's get into the Word of God. That's my responsibility. That's why I am here. Do me a favor. Grab your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to hang out today. It's really good to see you guys, man. Happy Juneteenth, by the way. It is Juneteenth. Uh, we, um, we acknowledge this day. that we, we, we don't just acknowledge this day as a day of celebration, but we acknowledge that Every day should be a day of justice. It was 1863 when President Abraham Lincoln issued what we know as the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, newspapers in the North and South went out and the headlines were slavery is, a, is abolished. And it was that very moment that every slave literally could have walked off the plantation. But unfortunately, my ancestors were kept in the dark because slave owners wicked Slave owners decided that they would not communicate the freedom of these slaves. And sometimes I think, you know, because we talk about slavery, it's like, number one, it, it definitely is traumatizing. I just want to admit that. But also, I think sometimes we, we can forget what slavery means. Like, our ancestors were property. Like, consider the chair you're sitting on is, is owned by Epiphany Church. Our ancestors were property, bought and sold raped and killed, pulled apart from families. And so we celebrate today the freedom of our ancestors. It was two years later, they were free-ish for two years. It was two years later when the Union soldiers arrived on in Galveston, Texas, and 
begin to declare the freedom of, uh, of the slaves at that time. And I, we just acknowledge it. And I, I just want to be clear. I've said this before. I acknowledge Juneteenth today, and I acknowledge it on July 4th, and I acknowledge it on December 31st. Like, I'm just, I'm just really clear. I acknowledge I'm blackity black, 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 black. I love being black. And here's why, because Psalm 139 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Don't ever be ashamed of how God has created you or whatever it is that he's created you to do. So it's Juneteenth. Just wanted to say, um, yeah, happy Juneteenth to you guys. We will we'll celebrate. Also, I'm glad to be back. I was out of the pulpit for two weeks straight. Um, Pastor Lionel preached a couple of weeks ago. I hope you all enjoyed him living by faith. And uh, Pastor Craig preached last week, Jesus in the middle of a crisis. Can we just thank God for those two that were able to preach? Last week, I was, um, last week I, I was preaching at a, at a church. In fact, the, the, the bishop that I preached for is preaching here in a couple weeks. But I was, um, man, I was so, so excited because it was a church that, uh, it was a, not a childhood church for me, but it was a church that I first went to at the age of 13 and um, got to come back 30 years later and preach at this church that I've always admired and looked up to. And I, I was really excited about it. But thank God that when I'm not here, you guys don't miss me much because there are, are faithful people that will preach the word of God. Uh, speaking of that, let's get into Luke 15. I was kind of stuck in between whether I was going to do a Father's Day sermon or continue on with our commitment through our relationship series. And I chose the latter. I think um, I wanted to finish. We made a commitment that we would go through this sermon series on relationships, created for relationships, the messy, the tension, the truth. And so what that means for us as a church is uh, we talked about many topics, sex and sexuality. We talked about relational tension and restoration. We talked about the covenant of marriage. We talked about singleness and dating, and we talked about friendship. Uh, today we're talking about friendship, and I hope you guys would dial in and pay attention uh, to every word that's in the word of God, because I think God is going to speak today. Amen. Y'all all right? All right, because y'all a little quiet today. Let's, let, let's, let's dig in. We'll be in John 15, and then you can, you can uh, put your finger in Proverbs 13. That's where we're going to end our time. Pick me up in verse number John 15. John 15. What I said? I, I said, John, I don't know what y'all talking about. I don't know what y'all talking about. All right, John, not Luke. John. John, John, John 15, John 15. <laughs> Y'all so aggressive too, man. <laughs> All right, pick me up in verse 9. Word of God says this. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. Jump down to verse number 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I commanded you. No longer do I call you servants. P please pay attention to this verse. It's so important. No longer do I call you servants. For servants do not know what their master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. I want to preach today, of course, from the topic entitled Friendships. Can we just pray and then we'll, we'll dig in? Father, I thank you, oh God, for this room. We're not here to hear me. That's, Lord, I fail. I fail miserably. Lord, we are here to hear from you. 
And one of the things I love about hearing from you is that you're always speaking. So would you condition our ears and our hearts today to hear from you? May this not be that, that moment where we just gather information, take notes, and walk away. But may this be the moment, oh God, that your spirit transforms us. That your, your spirit does a work in us. And as we think about friendships, oh God, a topic that many of us have either done well or not done well. Sometimes there just is no middle ground on how we're either doing well as friends or we're not. So Lord, I pray, oh God that you would give us wisdom and clarity through your word. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we pray. Amen. All right, friendships. So when you came in, you, you probably received, you should have received or should have been on your seat, a card and a pen. Uh, if you pay attention to the details, you'll notice that the card has our new logo and that the pen has our old logo. We needed to dump these out and get rid of them. So you got the pen today with the old logo. <laughs> Trying to merge the old with the new. But... You have a pen and a card. Now, as much as I want you to take sermon notes and as much as I want you to gather the word and write down the word, that's not what the pen and card is for. I actually want to take a second and I, I'm, I'm a little cautious here because if I'm honest, I really don't like dead moments in service. You know what I mean? Where it's quite that holy hush comes over everybody and it's weird and everybody's looking around like what is going on? I don't like that moment either, but I'm going to allow for that moment just for a few seconds right now, because what I want to do is I want you to take this card and this pen, and I want you to write down the five closest friends that you have in your life. The five closest friends. Now, I want to be clear. It could be a family member. Like my, my, my wife always says that her mother is, is one of her best friends. And so I, I, it could be a family member. It could be an uncle, a cousin that you just somebody that you go and you confide in right now. You should be writing. Now, if you're not writing, we're just I'm going to awkwardly stare at you for a little bit while we're, while we're just writing. No particular order. No particular order. Just write down top five friends, your top five friends. Write them down. And don't everybody put me. I know. I love y'all too. But you know, write, write down top five, top five. I know that fifth is a little hard. That, that's the stretch. Should he or she make this list or not? I need to replace them. Top five. Once you do that, do me a favor and just hold on to it. Nothing special. Just hold on to it for a second. We'll, we'll come back to it in a little bit. As you complete that list and are kind of rounding it up, um, January of 2009, Burger King ran a campaign ad where they wanted to test the loyalty of friendships. And so they hoped that people would pick their Whopper over their friendships. Now, I don't know if y'all remember this, but the campaign went something like this. They said on Facebook, if you unfriend 10 of your friends, we will then send them a message that says you have been unfriended for a Whopper. Now, the goal of, of, of the campaign was for people to be like, you've unfriended me for a Whopper. This must be a good burger. This must be. And you were going to run and you're going to figure out the Whopper. and You were going to do the same thing for 10 other people. The reason they wanted you to do this is because if you unfriended 10 people, they gave coupons for free Whoppers. So every 10 friends you unfriended, you get one free Whopper. And the New York Times reported that the stunt worked a little too well. In the first week, 233,000 people got unfriended from Facebook. Facebook headquarters were going crazy. But you know who else was going crazy? Burger King. Because they didn't expect this, expect this overwhelming response. They were on the hook for 23,000 burgers in one week. Needless to say, they canceled the campaign after seven days. 
Here's the question I started to ponder when I was thinking about that, that campaign in 2009. How valuable are friendships to you? Consider that for a second. Everybody, when you look at that list, everybody got on that list some ride or die, right? Like, this is this my, this my, my girl. This is my sis. She, she knows everything about me. This is my, bro, like my boy. We, we cool. We tight. We've been friends since we was kids. Like, everybody has those people, but you also have that fourth and fifth person that you're like, ah. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where even if you were a vegan, you would unfriend them for the Whopper. Like, all of us have those type of friends, and what, what, I, what I want us to get at is not just how valuable are friendships to you, but I want us to understand what does biblical friendship look like? Because I think many of us are making up friendship, and the way we make it up is based on how that person is a friend to you, or how we see other people are friends to each other, and then that becomes the litmus test for how we are friends. But do you know that the Bible gives us clear instructions on our friendships? And so today, what I, what I want to do is I want to answer the question, what do biblical friendships look like? And I think these passages that are before us, John chapter 15, and I hope you grabbed somewhere Proverbs chapter 13, those two passages are the place that we are going to find what friendships biblically look like. What is God's original intent? Now, we're going to start in John 15. John 15 is very clear. I think, you know, it's a bit of a familiar passage. It starts out with Jesus like, you, you, I'm divine. You're the branches. You know, you got to connect to me in order to have life. And, and so we've talked about it. I've preached on the beginning part of John 15. Yolanda has done a, a Bible study two months ago on John 15. And when we, when we talked about John 15, both Yolanda and I, if you paid attention, we always connect John 15 to abiding in Christ. Rightfully so. The reason we have to connect it to abiding in Christ is because that is the primary focus of the passage. What I want to submit to you this afternoon is that there is a secondary passage uh, in John chapter 15. Now, the primary is abiding in Christ. Abide, the word is mentioned 11 times in the chapter. Tasha, can you just turn the air down a little bit? It's mentioned 11 times in the passage. The second word that rivals it in terms of how many times it's mentioned is friends. So the secondary point of John 15 is about friendship, and it's mentioned three times in verses 12 and in verse 13. I have three points that I would love for you to, I would love for you to jot down. Point number one, these are my points that are being driven straight from the text. Point number one, friendship matters because friendship reflects the Trinity. Secondly, friendship is about being known and vulnerable. Third and final point. You are a reflection of your closest friends. Let's deal with the first one. Friendships matter because they reflect the Trinity. Look at verse number nine. Verse number nine says it this way. As the Father, this Jesus' words, notice this in red. It says, as the Father uh, has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. Jump down to verse number 12. Then Jesus says, this is the commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, in order to understand what Jesus is saying in verse number 9 and in verse number 12, um, it's important for you not to just look at friendships first as a human interaction. It's important for you to first understand that friendship must be looked at by looking at the triune God. Because sometimes I don't think we understand what that means. Yes, we serve one God, but that one God exists in three different persons. There is God the Father. Somebody say God the Father. There is God the Son. Somebody say, uh, a, uh, a.k.a. Jesus. Somebody say God the Son. 
And then there is God the Spirit. Somebody say God the Spirit. All three have been in relationship since before time. Now, I think sometimes we think that they started in relationship in Genesis 1, but they preceded Genesis 1. They've been in relationship since before you and I can even fathom what time is. Now, they were a part of creation, and they did so with continuity. Let me give you a, let me prove this to you. In Genesis 1, verse 1, everybody should kind of know this verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, so we know that God the Father was a part of the creation. But do you know how God the Father was a part of creation? By speaking. And then Jesus, the Son, was a part of creation. How do I know that? Because John chapter 1 says, there is nothing that was made that wasn't made by Jesus. Everything you can see, the, the, the coffee you sipped on this morning, the clothes you have on right now, the person you are sitting next to right now, all wears the same label made by Jesus. So God the Father spoke, Jesus worked. Okay, this might not make sense. When God the Father said, let there be light, Jesus went, bam. And then there was light. God the Father says, let there be an expansion in the midst of the waters and let the waters be divided. And Jesus, bam, 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 and made water. Let me get to you. Even you, he says, let us make man in our own image. And so when God the Father said that, somehow, some way, God the Father, God the Spirit, and, and God the Son were all a part of creation. Now, let me, give you the, let me give you the Spirit. The Bible says in Genesis 1 verse 2 that the Spirit hovered over the water. So what you see at creation is God the Father working. What you see at creation is God the Son working. What you see at creation is God the Spirit working. And please pay attention to this. They did so as friends. They did so without any beef. They did so without throwing shade, that, 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 uh, that, that Anita Baker uh, baby face shade. They, they did so without throwing any shade to one another. They all uh, are after the glory of one another. This is important for your friendship. Y'all know that, you know, I went and seen Spider-Man with, my, with my, my younger son, and there's a point in Spider-Man where all the Spider-Mans are pointing at each other because nobody knows, like, you know, they all pointing. That's what, that's what the Spirit and, and the Son and the God, the Father do. It's like that meme back in the day with the three, with the three Spider-Mans, they all pointing at each other. That's exactly what they do. They point at each other, and God the Father says, give him glory. Give the Son glory. And the Son says, if I stay here, this helper won't come. The helper's going to come, and it's better that he come than I be here. So give him glory. And then the Spirit turns back around and says, I'm going to reveal who Jesus is to you. You got to understand something about the Trinity. They love each other without beef. Now, here's why it's important. Here's why it's important. Because when I consider how the Spirit works together, and then I connect Jesus' words, I understand that the Trinity is the reflection of what our relationship should look like. Let me prove it to you. Verse 9, here's what Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. So Jesus like, yo, me and the Father, we love each other. But then he goes on to verse 12, and he says, now love one another. You don't know what loving in a relationship and in a friendship looks like if you don't look at the Trinity. We get the reflection of what friendship looks like by looking at them. Now, here's the thing. Unfortunately, the opposite is true for many of our friendships. Let's be honest, we cut people off because we're tired of them. Let's be honest, we hold grudges against our friends, and we, you know, with this bitterness that harbors in our hearts because we haven't told them what they did, and we'd rather just give them the silent treatment or walk away from the relationship. We go months without talking to family members. We lie on each other. We gossip about each other, and then oftentimes we gossip in the name of a prayer request. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Pray for me, because uh, 
let me tell you about. And we do, and we do all of this against our friends. But when I consider the Trinity, I'm like, that's not what they are doing. And many of us, some of our friendships is nothing more than a poor representation of the triune God. That's some of our friendships. It's just not a good reflection of how God, the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit work together. You know, there's another point in Jesus' high priestly prayer, which is two chapters later, where Jesus is praying. And do you know he prays, Father, make them one? And then he says, as we are one? He goes on to some deep language. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. In other words, Jesus is saying there has to be some continuity in your relationship, but you, that does not happen by osmosis. That doesn't happen because you worked on it. That happens because you looked at the triune God who does so without any conflict and beef. And so when I consider my friendships around me, sometimes if I'm not careful, if I can be transparent, it's easier for me to walk away from you than actually deal with your issues. Because you do know that your friendship is not absent of issues. And sometimes we think the issues is her. You the issue. Sometimes I'm the issue. And I pray that God, the Spirit of God would reveal to me when I'm the issue because then I am able to go and say, I'm sorry, man. I, I messed up. I, I shouldn't have said that. But many of us, we would rather be isolated and alone. You know, I, I had, God had to correct me this week. Uh, I've, I've shared with you guys um, in Genesis when God made everything and he says, man, everything was good. And then remember when he says, after he says everything is good, he says, there's something that's not good. Y'all remember what is it that he said is not good? Come on. Come on, scholars. Adam to be alone. The first time he said something was not good was when he saw Adam alone. I told y'all a few weeks ago, and God corrected me, although it's not completely wrong, I told y'all a few weeks ago that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone because God didn't want Adam to have experienced loneliness, so he gave him a companion. And yes, that is true, but God corrected me this week. You know the other reason that God doesn't want Adam to be alone? Because when Adam is alone, he's not a reflection of the triune God. Now, remember when God created Adam, what did he say? Let us make man in our image. We are image bearers. We, we, we reflect who God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit is. And so when you are isolated and when you are alone and when you don't have friends, you cannot be a good representation of the triune God. It's not good to be alone. And many of us, many of us say stuff like, well, I'm just an introvert. That's a poor excuse to not to reflect the triune God. But yo, we, we say stuff like, ah, you know, I just, ah, I just I'm, I'm better without friends. A poor excuse not to reflect the triune God. Many of us say, Man, you know, I'm just kind of a loner. I kind of grew up like this and I didn't have siblings. I'm a, I'm a you know, I'm, a, I'm an only child. And so I know how to just operate in, in, in isolation, but it is not good for man to be alone. Friendships show a dying world what the triune God looks like. Consider that. You ain't even got to go share the, you should share the gospel, but you ain't even, you can walk in uh, to, to an atmosphere and you, people can see your friendships and they can be like, man, there's something about them. And they get a, a glimpse, a small glimpse into what the triune God is like. And many of us feel like our friendships don't matter, but your friendship matters because it represents who God is. Number one, Friendships matter because they reflect the Trinity. Point number two, I hope you're writing this down. Friendship is about being known and vulnerable. And I know we don't like this one. 
because it's easier in friendships to be surface. In fact, that many of us are trained just to give you, a, you know, I'm, I'm just going to give you a, a little piece of my heart. You can't have the whole thing. You know why? Because the more you give your heart to somebody, that the more hurt that you'll be when you experience pain from them. And I'm not talking like a deep betrayal. It's just, it's, it's just some relationships that man, everybody else can do the same thing and you don't care. You're just like water rolling off the, your back. But the moment, the very moment, that one person that you gave your heart to. And so this, this is why we don't like to be known. This is why we don't want to know. In fact, look at what Jesus says in verse 15. Y'all still with me? Verse 15, Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not, watch the word, know what his master is doing. But I call you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, here's the word again, I have made known to you. Jesus using this word known is showing us that in relationships, we have to be exposed enough that the people that are closest to us have full access to us. And can I say it this way? You need somebody in your life that gets in your business. We we do surface. You need somebody that gets in your business. And if you're sitting here going, oh, I don't like people in my business. Well, then I would ask, what business do you have that you can't have somebody in your business? We got to be known. We, we got to be, we got to, we got to not just be known, but we got to be vulnerable. The word he uses here for friend is in the Greek is, is phylos. It, it, it literally means a person known well in regards to feeling and trust. And that, that means that when I let you know who I am, I'm not just letting you know of the external stuff, but I'm letting you know the depth of my heart. I'm letting you know who I am. And, and, and you know, those relationships, sometimes they don't take forever to develop. God ever sent you somebody who's like, that's my dog. That's my, that's my, we ain't grow up together. We ain't know each other all our life, but there's something about us. We different. We don't think the same. We don't, we don't act, we don't vote the same, but something, let's vote the same. Because <laughs> alternatives. Listen, I personally choose people to be in my life and I refuse to be surface with everybody. Now, there's some people that you should be surface with. Can we, can I, as we talk about friends, I think you think, oh, I'm going, oh, I'm going to have to extend the list. He asked for five. I got to put 20. That's not what I'm saying. You just need a squad. I'm not asking you to, to, to befriend everybody. I'm not asking you to have everybody over your house. Look, just because we Facebook friends and I like the uh, Instagram photo and I saw your TikTok doesn't mean you're invited to the next cookout. You know why we got we to be careful with our vulnerability? Because when you are vulnerable, you can't handle, listen to me, you can't mentally handle everybody's issues. I know me personally, there's a few that I can handle them issues. But if you opened yourself up to everybody and you allowed everybody to befriend you and you allowed everybody to, to connect with you, after a while, they used to call them back in the day, Dranos. You ever had a Drano in your life where you, they entered your life and they took more than they gave? Let me ask this and hide the list. Do you got a Drano on the list? Oh, come on with the good friends in the room. We got to be vulnerable. We got to know and we have to be known. Now think about Jesus for a second. Jesus, Jesus went through life with relationships and he intentionally allowed himself to be known by certain people. Think about Jesus. Luke chapter 8, he tells the disciples, it's very clear. He says, he says, to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God and to others parables 
that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And so Jesus rocked with the disciples. And even within the disciples, he actually broke that down and had some that he was closer with. Think about the 120. They sitting up in the upper room, but also he rocked with 12, but he got even closer with three, Peter, James, and John. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration. When he went on the mountain, he only took three of them. And when he took three of them, he exposed and he transformed and he did something that nobody else saw on this earth but three people. In other words, Jesus had a squad and got closer with some. That's what you got to do with your friendships. You better learn to have a small list of friends a bigger list of acquaintances and a whole bunch of people that I know. I'm serious because many of us, the reason that you have had so much pain and turmoil in your relationships is because you connected too quickly with people that God didn't ordain or appoint. That's what we do. And when you do that, you open yourself up. Philos, a person that is known well, in regards to feeling and trust, you got to have at least two or three that know everything about you and they can call you out and don't even care if you get an attitude when they call you out. That's when you know it's a friend. You need one or two or two or three people that can handle your craziness. I know you think in a relationship your friend is the craziness and is the crazy one, but do you realize you're probably the crazy one? Can you look at your friend and just be like, you, you crazy, bro. Like, sis, you're a little crazy. And it takes a special person to deal with you. They may not have ever heard that before. It takes a special person to deal with you. If they made a list, would you be on it? And so Jesus is like, look, you need friends, but you have to be selective and discerning when you choose friends. And you only need a few. I love the hip-hop group from the 80s. Y'all remember Houdini from right here in Brooklyn? They said, friends... How many of us have them? Y'all know, come on. Z is on the board. Friends, how many of us have them? We need friends. Hey, listen, in 2014, researchers studied 34 students from the University of Virginia. And these, these 34 students, they took them at the base of a hill. And then they weighted them with book bags. And they put the book bags on them and they asked them to assess how steep the hill was. And so there were some people that stood with their friends when they were making the assessment. And then there were some people that stood alone when they were making the assessment. Do you know that the people that stood with their friends when they did this research, they actually uh, had a lower percentage of what the steepness of the hill was and they didn't talk about it. What happened was they realized that if they start going up this hill that they were already rocking with somebody that would help them up the hill. And the loners looked at the hill and saw it way more steep than it actually was. In other words, this is a good example of what life is. You need in life somebody that you are going uh, through life with that can help you with the steepness of life. In other words, you need somebody to cry with. You need somebody to, to, to every now and then cuss you out in Jesus' name. You need every now and then you need somebody to pull your coattail and tell you off. Every now and then we need that. And we need somebody to pray with. You need somebody to, to counsel you. Your friends gotta be your therapist, your counselor, your, your, your provider. Sometimes they gotta financially help. That's a friend. That's a friend. And that's what that's what we need. We don't too many of us have friends that are too competitive. We're not friends. We, we really, we really competing against each other. Who can get a man the first? Who gonna get married the first? 
you know, who's going to get more money? And we have all these things, and we find ourselves competing with our friends. That is, that is not friendship. Okay, number one, friendship matters because it reflects the Trinity. What does Jesus say? As the, Father, uh, uh, as the Father loves me, so I love you. Verse 12, now love one another. We reflect the Trinity when we love each other in our friendships. Number two, point number two, friendship is about being known and vulnerable. Servants, I do not call you servants. Servants don't know what the master is doing. I call you friends because all that the Father has shared with me, I have made available to you. Point number three, you are a reflection of your closest friends. Do me a favor and pull that card back out real quick. Pull that card out while I go to Proverbs chapter, 30, uh, Proverbs chapter 13. Pull that card out. Pull that card out. Now take another look at that card. Your friends are the future you, and you are your future friends. Now look at that list. You are an average of that group. Now, some of us have extremes, right? Like you got one friend on there that's dope. That's amazing. Like you, they, you didn't have to think about it. You put them right down. You got that. Let's take them off the list. Because it's an extreme, right? Then you have one that you know is whack. You know they whack, but you know you love them because you've been in relationship for a long time and you tolerate, you got to deal with them. Remove them. Those are the two extremes. Those middle three are what you will look like in the future. Because who you align yourself with, a lot of times we go through life and we think that life is made up of a set of decisions, although it is, I will argue that life is actually made up of the people that you align with because let's be honest, the decisions you make are influenced by the friends. So we're always thinking about decisions. God, help me with decisions. God, help me with decisions. No, help me with these trifling friends because they are the future me. And, and, and in the future, if I want to do right and I want to make good business decisions and I want to be wise financially and I want to grow spiritually, I better look at the list because the list is everything. Here's what Proverbs 13 verse. I hope y'all, I hope y'all are hearing this. I really did pray that this one would seek, seek into your heart. Verse uh, number 20 of chapter 13, Proverbs, it says this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I originally learned this in the, in the King James Version. He that walketh with the wise becomes wise. But then it goes on to say, but the companion of fools shall be destroyed. The quality of your friendships is a direct re reflection of who you are becoming. You really are that, the sum total of that list that you have. And that scares some of us, and for some of us, that makes us rejoice. Let me say it this way. If you have two or three people that are on that list that are, that are seriously seeking after the Lord, there's a good chance you will be seriously seeking after the Lord. If you got friends on that list that do nothing but cuss, smoke, drink with hoochie daddy shorts on, there's a good chance that that is your lot. Because your friends influence. In fact, y'all don't believe me, so check these stats out. Of course, the scripture says, if you walk with the wise, you become wise. The, 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 the fools you rock with, you'll suffer harm. You'll be destroyed. Check these stats out. Researchers have figured out that the best way to determine how much weight you will gain in the future can be directly tied to the people around you. Check these stats out. If your spouse gains weight, you have a 37% chance of gaining weight. If your siblings gain weight, you have a 40% chance of gaining weight. And most, most researchers said that's because of genetics. But this one really messed me up. 
If your friends gain weight, you have a 57% chance of gaining weight. This means that the closest friends that you have, their diet could impact you. So if your friends is always getting chopped cheese, Jermaine, that was your last chopped cheese today. If your friends is always getting chopped cheese, I'm just telling you, you better pull them aside and talk to them because after a while, you will find yourself with bad eating habits. And I know we laugh and this is comical, but what this is, is as, 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 it's like the fish. You know, the schools of fish that kind of, like, they move together. You know what I'm talking about? That's what, our, that's what friendships is, are, are like. And so we have to be careful of the people that are around us because the people around us really do help us to become wiser or a fool. And many of us don't realize that you would be a better husband if you pick better friends. You would, you would be a better wife if you pick better friends. Y'all hear me? You'd be a better single if you pick better friends. You'd pursue the Lord more if you pick better friends. And this is why I'm saying relationships and friendships matter. And we think they don't, but they absolutely do. Because the wise will walk with the wise. And fools will walk with fools. I personally pray for my friends on a weekly basis. I call my friends out by name. You know why? Because I want my friends to succeed in every area of life. I want them to be good financial stewards. I want them to be good husbands. I want them to be mature in their faith. I want them to have good health. I pray for my friends. Anybody else pray for their friends consistently? You should pray for your friends. Why should you pray for your friends? Because you're the future them. So I, I want to help you become all that you can be. Many of us have friends that don't align with our convictions. Many of us have friends that you have a 10-year plan for your life, and they're day by day. You, you have friends that financially, you know, you're thinking about, you know, owning and stewardship and saving and paying off debt, and they still, you know, they still going on vacation on credit cards that they ain't paid off. And this is stuff we have to pay attention to. Why? Because the wise will walk with the wise, and they become wise themselves. Now, as I was contemplating the friendships that are in my life, I started to pray. I said, Lord, I you know what I really need? I, need? I need a category of friends that fit three things. Three things. And you know what the Lord led me? To David. The Lord led me to David's relationships, and I got to look at three friends in David's life, and I walked away and I said, Lord, that's, that's what I need. You know what I need? I need a friend that David had like Jonathan. Y'all know the story with Jonathan and David? They, grew, they, they genuinely grew up together as teenagers, but what makes the story of their friendship even doper is that they were best friends, and when, when, when Samuel uh, uh, anointed David to be the next king, that actually should have disrupted the friendship because Jonathan, many people don't think about this, Jonathan was next in line. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, so he shouldn't have been excited for David. He should have been jealous of David. But he wasn't jealous of David. You know what he did? He rocked with David and he protected David. There's a point where David uh, was depressed. Commentators said that he was depressed. Do you know Jonathan walked 30 miles to get to David? I'm going to read that to you. 1 Samuel 23, verse 18. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh. That was 30 miles away. Where he strengthens David's hand in God. A faithful friend is a person that walks to you not walks away from you. Do you have friends like that? 
Do you got people in your life that will protect you and aren't jealous of you and see that God's hand is on you and pushes you and pushes you and calls you out when you're not aligned to the will of God? That's, that's Jonathan. I need friends like Jonathan. You know what else I need? David had a friend named Nathan. I need a Nathan. And you do too. Here's what Nathan did. There was a point in David's life where David was walking on the roof. I don't know how this worked out, man, but he looked over and he saw Bathsheba bathing. And the Bible, the Bible says that it was a time for the kings to be away. He saw Bathsheba. He ends up summoning, uh, summoning, uh, summoning her to come to his palace. And you know the story. I think you, you know he slept with her. And she, the problem is that wasn't his wife, but it was already somebody else's wife. And then he had the husband Uriah killed. And he thought he got away with it. Like he thought he was good. He thought he was straight because nobody knew about it. Oh, but Nathan comes along. And Nathan says to him a whole story. And after the story, David was sitting there like, man, whoever that is, man, he should surely die. And Nathan said, I'm glad you said that, bruh. You're the man. And what we need is a Nathan, a Nathan that don't let you go all the way crazy, a Nathan that don't let you be out of the will of God. But every time you fall into those moments of cycles of sin, you need a Nathan to say, you dead wrong. Come out of that. You need a Nathan. You need a Jonathan that will protect you. You know what else you need? You need a Samuel. Samuel revealed to David that God's hand was on him. We rejoice over, over scriptures like, you know, David's a man after God's own heart. David only knew he was a man after God's own heart because Samuel told him. And so what we need is friends that are spiritually mature and spiritually disciplined that will help you to grow. Many of you are stagnant in your faith, and your stagnation in your faith is a direct result of you having friends that are trifling that don't know the Lord. You need a friend. Every now and then I say, yo, B, stop talking. Let's pray. Do y'all got friends like that? Every now and then you need somebody that will, that, that will see the path that you are headed on and say, that's not what you told me God told you. That's not the direction of life that God called you to. You need a Jonathan. You need a Nathan. You need a Samuel. And if you don't have that naturally, do you know that Jesus is all three? What I love about Jesus in John 15 was that he genuinely called you a friend. A king called you a friend. Do you know kings in ancient time called pe people peasants? He calls you a friend. And then go so far as to say, you're not just servants. You know a servant of Jesus is good enough for me. But he says, no, 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 no. But you're also a friend. And Jesus is the better of Jonathan, the better of Nathan, and the better of Samuel. How is Jesus like Samuel? Because he reveals to us the very will of the Father. Samuel's job was to be the prophet, to reveal to the nation God's heart, but Jesus reveals to us everything that God the Father is like. So we need, we need a Samuel, but Jesus is that. You know what else we need? We need, we need to see how Jesus is Nathan. How is he Nathan? That he loved us so much. Remember, Nathan's the one that called David out. Jesus loved you and I so much that he was willing to confront your sin. But how does he do so? Via the cross. And it is on the cross that he doesn't do like, like David, but like, like Nathan, and just call us out. But he calls us out, and then he does something about it. He puts your sin on his back and is brutally crushed 
for your sin and your iniquity. Jesus is the better Jonathan. You know Jonathan walked 30 miles to get to Jesus. You know Jesus doesn't walk 30 miles to get to you. He stands in the gap between heaven and earth. What kind of friend you know will stand in the gap between a holy God and your sin? He is the better Jonathan. Think of it this way as well. Jonathan gave up his right to be the king. Jesus empties himself, comes down to earth so that I don't know why y'all not getting excited about the gospel, comes down to earth so that you and I can be reconciled. And guess what? David stood in the palace, but you and I one day will stand in the palace because Jesus is a better Jonathan. He's a better Jonathan. And so I don't know what your friendships are like. I really don't. I'm going to close this. I'm done. I don't know what your friendships are like. But I, I know this, that many of us are, are, are following people, and maybe they're on the list. We're following people that are not good for our future. Remember that school of fish that I was talking about? Where, where you see the, the school going this way, and it just, boom, it changes direction. You know scientists have studied the brains of fish to try to figure out why they do that. Because there's no leader. There's no leader. They just all in concert, like synchronized swimming. Bam, they just they turn. You know, they, they, the, the scientists have figured out that there's a part of the brain in a fish. I was going to say the Abdullah Amagada, but I don't know if that's what it is. I would have made that up. There's a part of the brain that scientists have discovered that this part of the brain is what makes fish swim synchronized. So they took one fish in, in a controlled pond, and they took one fish, and they, took, they, they, they performed a partial lobotomy, and they took a piece of the brain of that fish out, and they put him back in the water. And guess what? The fish no longer swam in the school. It began to do its own thing. But to the surprise of the scientists, the rest of the fish saw the fish being a loner, and they started to swim at whatever way the fish was swimming with no brain. Here's my fear, Epiphany Church, that you and I are synchronized swimming with brainless people. We're following people that don't know the heart of God. We are rocking with people that are not set up to help you financially be successful. We're following people that aren't serious about discerning God's voice. We are following people that are not helping us to overcome strongholds. They're actually patting us in it. And you think it's cool, but those friends should not go with you in the latter half of this year. Now, this, ain't the, this, this is not the sermon I'm telling you to X everybody out. What I'm saying is be discerning about the relationships. Now, there are some relationships that God put in your life that's frustrating, and they're going to be frustrating until the end of time because God put them there to teach you endurance and patience. But then there are some friends that are so toxic that it's hindering you. Every head bow and every eye close. I want to pray for somebody in the room. Number one, I want to pray for somebody in the room that has been having some real turmoil and stress in their relationship. I'm not even going to call you up because I don't, you know, I don't, your friend may be here. But I want to, I'm going to pray for that person in the room. Second person I want to pray for is the person that you don't know Jesus. And as I talk about him being a friend, when you look at that list, he's the best of that list. And you don't know him. 
and you should know him. You know, there's a song that says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sin and grief to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. I want to pray for the person that is friendless in terms of who Jesus is. Father, I pray for the room. Thank you, oh God, for these, your people that are going through life and we're, we're doing the best we can and we're, we're trying, oh God, but many of us are held back and held up because of our relationships. Lord, would you begin to expose this week? Because we can't, that's the thing, Lord, we can't afford another month of this. Would you expose this week and crystallize those friendships and the ones that we need to be better off being acquaintances? And Lord, also, would you expose those people that we don't know that you are divinely connecting us? And we've resisted the friendship and because, you know, we, we don't want nobody around us and connected to us. But Lord, we, today we want to be a better reflection of your image. And because you're in community, would you put us faithfully in community? Father, I also pray, oh God, that we would be good friends. I think sometimes we only look at the friendship of the people around us, but Lord, may we be better friends. Use us and guide us. Help us to restore our friends. Help us to push our friends for your glory and for your honor. And finally, Lord, I pray for the one that doesn't know you, doesn't know you in the pardon of their sins. Lord, would you save them today for your glory and for your honor? It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.